of New York is the Harvest of Colin Atrophy. Welcome to episode 8 of Radio Harvester Audio Zine. What we talk about when we talk about pizza, come on! This episode brought us to the Rockaways, uh, specifically original Ciro's Pizza on Beach 116th and Rockaway Parkway. And we were talking to my friends Gabby and Terry, Gabriel Van Houten and Terry Bennett uh, of Respond and Rebuild. A uh, totally punk, I hate, I'm not using that word fatuously, a totally punk hurricane cleanup uh, effort that they that they did. And I think, if, I, I'm not going to give it away, but they tell the story of how their organization came to be and all the work that they got done in the Rockaways. And I think that it really is, it, it comes from a, uh, politically from a place of, like a sort of punk context about doing things ourselves, filling in gaps where the larger structures are not working, and feeling empowered to help make change in the world in ways that, you know, the crummy uh, capitalist infrastructure and like psychic uh, war zone that we live in tries to prevent us from feeling like we're capable of doing. And I'm really proud to know them, and I'm really proud of the work that they did and it's an honor to bring you this episode on the two-year anniversary of Hurricane Sandy. So, enjoy. Yeah, the original Ciro's. On 116th Street. Rockaway Park. Rockaway. Well, that's the muscle all stuff. Tell me why we're at uh, original Ciro's uh, right now. Yeah, we're at the original Ciro's Pizzeria yeah, on Beach 116th Street. This place was one of the first places that opened back up out here in the Rockaways. I mean, it was there was no food anywhere. So and we basically lived off of this pizza for first year of being out here particularly I mean there's worse things to eat it's it good was pizza. amazing yeah great pizza great family-run establishment um, I always love coming to this place yeah mm-hmm. this is I feel yeah. so good being in here I really like it here yeah you're always speaking Italian behind the counter drinking espresso really friendly environment I love it yeah go to a pizza shop and stop for one slice the two of you do you want to talk about how you met? Is that pertinent? Do you met? Does it matter? It's funny. I want to hear uh, it. That's yeah. Good. You guys <laughs> so, yeah. So I had, you know, I had to spend more time on the periphery of the punk scene and kind of had friends. That's where my friends who were doing cool stuff were, you know. And um, I was living at the time with Lindsay and Matt, Matt from Bad Blood. Yeah, yeah. And I had some friends down in Baltimore, and. Matt said, oh, you're going down to Baltimore. Why don't you just get a ride with this guy, Gabby? He lives at the fort where I pra- you know, where our band practices. And I was like, oh, really? What's he going down for? And he was like, oh, he's going down for a Baltimore or Maryland Death Fest. Death Fest. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that sounds like sh-. Why would I want to spend four hours in a car with a guy I don't know listening to f-ing death metal? That's <laughs> that sounds like a f-ing nightmare. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know 
what my reasoning was at the time, whether it was like $5 cheaper to split gas or whatever it was, but I did decide to go ahead and do it anyway. Well, <laughs> so, I guess the door-to-door -door service. Oh, uh, yeah. Really my, was yeah. The, the clincher <laughs> for the up, ride. Yeah. Dropped off at the right spot, mm -hmm. not having to sit at the Baltimore Travel Plaza yeah. on the highway median for like, you know, however long it takes to get picked up. So anyway, drove down there with you for Death Fest, got dropped off at my friend's house, and... Uh, had an awkward hug. You gave me a kiss on the cheek, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then when we, uh, after we've been back for like a week or something, I was like, what's a good excuse to call him back for something, you know? I'm trying not to be super obvious because I thought we kind of hit it off, but I wasn't sure, and I was like, oh. He's a big guy, and he has a truck, so I'm going to call him and ask him to help me move some furniture. Did you, <laughs> did you uh, like, fabricate furniture that needed to get moved? Well, kind of. I did want to, I'd always wanted a new chair, but it really, you know, sure. sped up that process. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I called him up, asked him to move the chair, and he was like, yeah, that's no problem, but do you also want to go out to dinner or something? And I was like... Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Cool. <laughs> and so, yeah. That's, That's adorable. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really cute. <laughs> yeah, and so. How long ago was that? Five years, and our mm. I, we kind of call our anniversary whenever I start seeing death fest things on Facebook and people start <laughs> 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 I always know it's our anniversary. <laughs> So the reason why I wanted to talk to you guys was because of Respond and Rebuild, the organization that you guys started it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which was like kind of like a on the ground relief effort for Hurricane Sandy. What's the genesis of that? We were trying to we were trying to find places to to volunteer with. Right. So like, oh, Sandy happened. We're a couple of like you know competent people with relevant you know like construction skills and logistical skills and you know like how can we plug in right mm -hmm. and we we're looking online and you know applying to a different you know things all over the place and trying to reach out to various organizations and there was just nothing right and that was even before the storm hit like when we heard that it was going to be bad I know I I put my name in with a couple of organizations who take volunteers and was thinking if things were bad enough they'd probably call or something, right? And then the day after the storm, we were kind of wondering, like, well, how bad was it? We woke up and we were looking at the pictures. I don't know what kind of listserv I was on, whether it was like a grad school listserv or some kind of activist-y listserv, <laughs> where I heard that people were donate. They had distribution, like, spots set up where you could, people were bringing tons of shit to donate. Right. But there really wasn't a lot of ways to get it to any of the affected areas because nobody had gas, right? Because the whole gas situation was so fucked up. And oh, right. We had an empty 15-foot cargo van and we had a full tank of gas and I actually had to work the day after the storm since I worked four blocks from my house at Pratt so I really couldn't call in and say that I couldn't get there because no one right. really believed me. But what it did do was plug me into this whole social network where people were essentially reporting needs and offering to meet needs and kind of seeing where all these things were happening. And I realized that one of the distro points was right by our house on Clinton Ave, 520 Clinton Ave, and that Occupy Sandy, you know, I, 
I guess peripherally with Occupy Wall Street stuff and activist stuff that I was on, I found out about Occupy Sandy, and I called him, and I was like, hey, I can't go down, but you can go down to the Rockway, you can go to Red Hook, you can pick up all this and you can take it to the Rockways, that's what people are doing, because there's no water, people right. don't have anything down there. And I was like, then you can like go down there and then see what it's like, and if it's bad enough, then maybe we can go down tomorrow too, and we'll see what's happening. And so Gabby filled up the van with water, diapers, blankets, whatever, Food. drove down there and called me and was like, holy f it's still on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I show up at the Red Hook, uh, the Red Hook Initiative. And so they've got like a, you know, pretty good little system. There's a lot of goods coming in and out and a lot of people there. And there's a guy just with a cardboard sign, like, you know, going to the Rockaways, you know, load up your vehicle here. Whatever. I'm like, okay, great. So I'm like, pull up. I'm like, all right, great. I'll you know, bring some stuff to the Rockaways. Got the giant van. We'll just load it up. He's right. Like, all right, great. It's like, okay, good. Yeah, there's the stuff. Put it in the van. And he just hands me the sign. He's like, all right, great. So here, this is yours. I'll see you down there. And I was like, okay, I've got this sign. And then people are like, oh, so I want to do this too. I'm like, oh, okay, great. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Occupy. You're in charge now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay. It's a leaderless movement. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, you know, loaded up the van. Drove out uh, here to the Rockaways to, to meet up with him, and we pull up um, to uh, Beach 113th Street and Rockaway Beach Boulevard um, to, the, to uh, the Yana Community Center. Uh, stands for You Are Never Alone. Um, and yeah, we pull up, and uh, there's the Community Center, Social Security Building, and then the entire like a, it's about two blocks of uh, commercial strip, commercial with residential above, that has completely burned. And so the fire department, there's still about 12 or 15 trucks there, you know, putting out the fire. Yeah, and so when people, he wound up opening up his place, um, <coughs> just and kind of handed over the keys to Occupy Sandy people. <coughs> He was really the, our first home, mm -hmm. cool. the first home for like a relief operation down here. Yeah, we literally opened the door, you know, pretty much for the first time. There's still debris and muck and the whole, whole shebang. And so, you know, we had some, some cleaning stuff and need a bunch more and whatever. So we opened the door, kind of assessed the situation. Like, okay, this is really all I can do for, for today. Right. Gotta go get some stuff. We'll come back to this place. We'll set up shop and take it from there. So go, come back to Brooklyn, go to Home Depot, buy a bunch of stuff to um, do the muck out cleaning stuff with uh, at Yana. Um, yeah, debrief with Terry and we figure out you know, what we're gonna do and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And come back uh, in the morning, we go um, cruise around to the uh, drop-off sites, the Occupy Sandy drop-off sites and load up the van full of goods um, to head back out to the Rockaways with. And right. so when I was down there with these guys, I started just taking pictures of things, you know, taking pictures of people trying to sift through their lives that were in the middle of their yard um, and just kind of the level of destruction that people were seeing. And I just started posting them on Facebook because so many of the images that you see, I feel like in the media are kind of dehumanizing or just victimizing in this way yeah. that I felt like wasn't, I mean it was really, it was complete destruction but it just didn't really, it wasn't the same feeling I was actually getting when I was down here and people 
were helping each other, and you know, people from other communities in New York were helping each other, and I just felt like it was important to have a more accurate view, a little bit more raw view of what's going on. But one of the byproducts of that that was really interesting is people who I hadn't seen in like 17 years were like, oh, you're down there, are you doing things? I can send you money. And so, like literally people that I went to high school with who I haven't seen since high school graduation were like, what's your address, what's your PayPal, can I send you a check? And, uh, and I realized, and I was like, yeah, well, I can't, I don't know exactly what we're going to do with your money, but I can promise you I'll put it to good use. And I think it's a testament to people knowing that there's, you know, larger agencies to send your money to or text, you know, text whatever number to send $10 to. But people, I think, more and more don't necessarily understand where their money is going with that and trust those right. situations. And they want something that's more people to people. They want to support something that's more human. They want to have, they want people who are going to be on the ground in the community and more responsive to that. And so they want they, to see the results. They want right. to see, they want to like physically see what's happening, what's, what's being done with the, their dollars. Yeah. And so once I, you know, I kind of discovered a little bit accidentally that it was a good fundraising mechanism and that it could help us keep what we were doing going. And so we started putting things on Facebook like, you know, we need 20 shovels. Shovels are $15. That's this much money. If you can send money for as many shovels as you can, right. that would be awesome. And so people started, people responded to that really well because we were literally saying exactly what we needed. Right. We need 40 more gallons of gas. Gas is $4 a gallon. Right. So, like, we need a way to get this money. And so um, as we started realizing that there was, like, support coming from like our communities our family like people were willing to throw to to do benefits with their punk shows right um and so all that kind of stuff was coming together and it helped us actually have faith in the idea that we could throw together something a little less ad hoc than what we were doing and actually kind of have a project that we could we could develop and actually have it be predictable for the people we were working with. Um, we saw tons of volunteers coming down here. There was just literally, you'd just see like a van or a pickup truck or like a station wagon just unload full of people. But a lot of times they would not, you know, people would go and do what they could for somebody in their house, but they didn't the people who, whose house it was didn't know if they were coming back the next day. Right. And so, and there was no record being kept of like whose house was only half done or who was only half helped or whether people knew where to go once you've helped them clean. And so we basically threw a giant, we could send you a picture of this too, but we threw a giant sign on the side of our neon yellow van that said, we have pumps. <laughs> I have seen that picture. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then it's amazing. We should tell about how, back up a little bit though, and how we called all the people to come in. Oh yeah, so we had other, we yeah, I mean, friends. basically, yeah. So we, whatever, started and stuff like this. We were talking to other friends that we had um, done the volunteer work in Haiti with. And they're, you know, trying to see, like, well, how bad is it? Like, could we, should we come there? Could we do something? Should we bring something? You know, what's, what's going on? And so we ended up um, calling in a bunch of people. And really over the following weeks, we ended up with about nine people uh, staying in our one bedroom, just like sardines underneath the 
Yeah, this is more evidence that this is a project being done by punks. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, yeah. so we're sitting here, yeah, we're like <laughs> literally, you know, sleeping underneath the uh, the dining room table. And yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it's like, it's, yeah. it was pretty crazy. But yeah, so. Ben slept one night with his head on a bunch of uh, broken down Pabst Blue Ribbon 12 pack containers. <laughs> <laughs> There's some photo evidence of that. <laughs> anyway. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that, you know, and so with the big group of us like that, I mean, like you were saying, it's, you know, we were down there, you know, we had, you know, some safety vests and clipboards and people were like, oh, are you FEMA? Are you whatever? <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, so this is more and more evidence, like, just like me on the first day, I'm like, who's in charge, you right. know? So we were like, okay, well you know, safety vest, a clipboard, and uh, some confidence will put you in charge around right. here. So if you're willing to take on some responsibility and, and do something, we could, you know, we could really help some people out down here. So if we were coordinated and did all these things. And so I think that's, you know, we end up feeling kind of empowered to go out and, you know, try and start a project on our own. Yeah, we did work in uh, just over 400 homes uh, down in the Rockaways here, whether it was, you know, muck out, uh, you know, just cleaning, cleaning out, or if it was, you know, gutting, we did um, uh, volunteer done um, mold remediation, which was basically, you know, signed off on by the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. We did that on um, 80 homes out here in the Rockaways. Um, we also um, ran a rebuilding program, which was part volunteer, and um, and uh, we'd also worked with um, a local construction cooperative that Occupy Sandy had helped uh, start right after the storm. And so, uh, between those things, we've uh, helped in the Center for Employment Opportunities. In the Center for Employment Opportunities, um, who they're a really great organization. Um, that organization really quickly takes young offenders who are who have recently been incarcerated and when they get out tries to get them in the workforce and trained up in different things that they're interested in cool. to reduce recidivism. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, all those guys were coming down like five or six days a week and we're getting trained in the construction trades via houses that we were that respond and rebuild was like funding the rebuild for. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So through those types of things we did um, repair work on another um, 40 homes, uh, like rebuilding and you know, getting people back in those homes. Um, so that's, that's, that's the numbers real quick, but yeah, I mean, as you were saying, How many the, the... homes is that all together? Like no, the overall is like 400 and change, 400 about 450, yeah. but yeah. That's amazing. But like, what do you think, does there just need to be more Gabby and Terry's? Like, what, what are there? You know what I mean? Like, what do we, what does we need as a culture to adequately respond to things like this and to like have compassion for our neighbors or whatever and get, have people's backs in a way that's palpable? I mean, I think that we need to have a lot more disaster relief assistance that gets a lot closer to communities in terms of decision making and how it's going to be spent and designing the programs, do you know what I mean? Community right. input into those things. I think people need to realize that 
volunteers aren't necessarily free. Like you have to transport them, you have to train them, you have to have a place for them, you have to have a place to dispatch them, you have to have materials for them. And so I think that you should really use all of that volunteer help and that commitment and that kind of community that comes up to help um, after disaster as much as you can. But at a certain point, I think it's important to shift resources into things that are going to be more beneficial to communities on the longer term scale and whether that is helping young people get construction skills by just putting them to work. People from the community who, you know, since so many businesses and things are destroyed, there's even less employment opportunities out here. Right. Like get the people most affected into those positions doing that work so that there's more of kind of a holistic circle. You know what I mean? And people yeah. it's not necessarily just these organizations coming in, getting grants, doing good work. You know, and helping people. No doubt. But you can just integrate the money in a way, into the community in a way that's longer term, better for everyone. Full wage of power to make you rich in gold. And that's what you got. But if you got control, but if you got nothing, you ain't got no hope. Because everybody knows where the money goes. Okay, thank you to Gabby and Terry so much for being on this episode, and it really was a privilege to talk to them. And I really am so proud of myself, because I'm a vain narcissist for knowing such cool people. Forget being proud of them for doing cool stuff. I'm proud of me, because they're my friends. Put that in your slice and eat it. Um, anyway, thanks to them. Thanks to DJ Bosch and FMU. Thanks to my co-producer, Reed Dunley. Thanks to uh, Papoose for, unbeknownst to him, giving me a sample where he talks about pizza. Thanks to Papoose for talking about pizza in a rap, is more like it. Thanks to whatever death metal band I sampled. I don't remember. I don't care about that whole genre of music, even a little bit. Um, thank you to, I don't know, you for listening. Thanks to me for being so rad. And that's it. Subscribe to me on iTunes. Hit me up on Twitter, at Slice Hit me up on Instagram, at Slice Harvester. No cops, no creeps. Peace in the pizzeria. I'm out.